Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. You are listening to Girlfriend It Radio with Patty White and Lisa Jernigan. Although Lisa is off with her husband, um, in the, having a blissful weekend in Nashville with Dave Ramsey and his wife and a few other um, ministry leaders. So we will definitely be missing her today as we chat about how God never wastes our life experiences. And every one of us has made mistakes and bad choices. Some, of course, have come uh, with a high price tag, others with lesser consequences. It is easy to allow our failures from the past to define us and dictate our future. Well, joining us today to really unpack this topic, we have Beth Wiseman, and she is a best-selling author, having sold more than 1.3 million books. Her novels have held spots on the ECPA and the CBA bestseller list. Well, Beth had a goal for years to write one book to make one difference in a life, and hopes the message of this particular book does just that. And, you know, once again, it, it, this is a quote um, from Beth, just talking about how we all make mistakes and we have regrets and carry burdens from our past. But by clinging to our faith, we are often gifted with opportunities to use these mistakes in a way that sheds light amidst the darkness, defining who we are and how we will be remembered. So that I, I love that quote, um, Beth. And by the way, welcome to our show. Thank you so much, Patty, for having me. Yes, absolutely. And um, I'm sad that you don't get a chance to, to meet Lisa because um, without her, I have no one to mock. So it looks <laughs> like I'm going to have to mock you. So uh, That is okay. <laughs> Sounds like she's having a great time. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to hear about it next week. So that'll be great. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, um, this sounds like such a, a fabulous book that you um, it's just now coming out this month. Yes, it re- well, it actually released September 30th. Okay, September 30th. And um, in, in, a, in a, just a few sentences, could you summarize the, the promise from your eyes as the author? Sure. Um, a couple of years ago, someone very close to me found themselves in a dangerous situation and was actually lured to Pakistan, and ultimately I ended up working with the U.S. State Department, the consulate in Islamabad, and the uh, I'm sorry, the embassy in Islamabad and the consulate in Peshawar to get this person home. And after um, this this all unfolded, I couldn't imagine for a long time writing about it, but it just seemed like it was a story that needed to be told. And so what I've done is I've taken a lot of um, actual events and incorporated them into this fiction story 
that also takes someone all the way to Pakistan where she finds herself in trouble and needs more or less to be rescued. And um, I wrote the book. Of course, you know, we all hope that it will be entertaining, but also so that it could serve as a warning to other women who might find themselves in a similar situation. Yes. Now, now have you been to Pakistan? Is this something that no, I have not, and, and have no plans to either, but um, I worked very closely with the woman who was there, and so we strove to get all the details as authentic as we could, and I would have never undertaken this type of project that's so far out of the box from what I'm used to had she not been fully on board, and um, she came home very broken. She um, was penniless. Um, and, and her heart was broken. And so um, over time, you know, we all kind of worked with her to, to get her back on her feet again. And when we discussed this, she, she was all for it. She wanted to make sure that, that people understood these very different cultures don't always mix well together. Yes. Well, you know, I always find it fascinating how um, you find yourself in a, in a position, you know, as we're talking about how God uses every life experience, um, just like in your situation, he, he, someone could have asked you this years ago, did you, know, did you think you'd ever write this story? And um, you would have been like, what story? I just think it's interesting how you find yourself on a path where God just collides you with people and it changes everything. And you you have to tell the story. With Lisa and I, um, we do a lot within human trafficking, and we go into the the strip clubs and and meet these gals um, that are just in such a dark world. And people will ask us all the time, like, "What possessed you <laughs> to go into the strip clubs and to go into the brothels and to go into some of these really dark places?" and you know, you, it's not something that you had a strategy for. It's not something you planned out. It's exactly what you said. All of a sudden, God puts this path in front of you and you're just joining him. So at what point did you feel that God was calling you to say, I want you to join me on this ride, Beth, and this is the route I want you to take? Well, you know, I think that, I think that, that, God was actually putting the bug in my editor's ear before mine, and I think she was a little bit nervous about mentioning it to me because we had talked about a rescue story, and I wanted to write a rescue story. She was all for that, and so I had come up with a couple of synopsis, and she kept just kind of nudging me, you know, what about something a little deeper? What about something? And it just kind of (laughs) slapped me across the face finally, and, you know, I think that that all of us, we, we have those, why is this happening to me moment? Why is this, why is God letting this happen? And I look back on all of my life experiences, and had all of those things not happened, I don't think that I would feel qualified to write about not only the, the factual aspects of the story, but the emotional parts of the story, the things that, that I actually experienced. And I also thought when when I was nudge to write this story. I, I looked back a lot. It was that it was a, it was a hard story to write because going in, there were a lot of things that I didn't know that happened to my friend, and it was kind of like just peeling back layers. It was like watching someone come out of a coma slowly and, you know, rejoining the world. And little by little, she she shared these 
these different things. And, and, you know, some of them didn't make it into the book. In some ways, truth really is stranger than fiction, or we felt like it was just too too horrific to write about. But um, but anyway, we worked together on that, and and so we both hoped that that by her having experienced this horrible ordeal, and it was very frightening for me, especially for about 48 hours, that we're able to to put that experience, you know, to good. And, and that's what I've tried to do with all my books, sometimes not even realizing it until I was done and went back and reread and went, oh, wow, that happened to me, <laughs> you know. So so anyway, it was a, it was a, a tough project. It, you know, writers say that, writing a book is like giving birth and this was like having quadruplets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to talk about that. I want to unpack a little bit about how you, you, you mentioned that this is so out of your box. Um, but real quick, when you, when you talk about, um, this particular person that you actually, your main character, right, is, is about this gal. Yes. Mallory. Yeah. That had to be very therapeutic, and I, I'm always in awe of how God just wraps his arms around us and loves us through even a project like this was probably so, there was so much therapy involved for her to be able to just share her story over and over and process that with someone um, in in detail. And like you said, some of it you couldn't even write in your book because it's so horrific. But for her to be able to have someone to share it with and truly um, be there to understand or at least try to be empathetic to what she had to go through, I, I'm just in awe of how, how God does that. He's crazy, I tell you. Um, <laughs> So tell us a little bit about why this is so outside of your box, because I used to write um, on, on Amish, right? In the Amish right, right. I started, I started out writing Amish stories, and then I branched out and wrote some Texas contemporaries, and I, I love doing that alternating back and forth because it's, it's kind of the best of both worlds, visiting old friends and making new friends. But the promise was really, really far out of the box for me. It's much edgier. It's much more intense. And it did start out as a therapeutic project for me and my friend. And the big, the big miracle, the big surprise did not come for me until I had completely finished the book. You know, people would ask, you know, even my publishers, friends, family, you know, what, what, what do you define as success for this project? And, you know, of course, the first thing that, that comes out of our mouths are, oh, that it hits this bestseller list or it sells this many copies or this, that, and the other. And I had to sit back and just know that it was already a success. It was a success the minute that we finished it because my friend and I were in a completely different place. I mean, we've always been close. I've always loved this person. I've known she loved me. But her rationale for going to Pakistan, I just couldn't buy into it. I just was very upset. And throughout the process of writing the book, not only did I learn more about her motivations, but I learned more about her just as a woman in general. And it brought us, it just brought us a lot closer. And there were a lot of things that we just had to agree to disagree about. We were not going to agree on everything, but so for me, it's already been a huge success. You know, it changed our relationship for the better, and that is a God thing, you know, so I'm just, I'm just grateful, and, and I will still hope that 
the book finds its way into the hands of those that can benefit the most. Mm. Well, um, I I want to hear more about uh, your saying when you say your your friend. This is the main character. This isn't the one that you're writing the book with, correct? Um, well, it's kind of <laughs> that Mallory is my main character in the book. My friend that actually went through these events, we're calling her Lori in an effort just to, you know, keep her name out of everything. But, yeah, Mallory is it, – it, it's a fictional – you know, of course, it's a novel. It's fiction. But there right. are a hey, lot Beth, of – Beth, we're uh-huh. going to go ahead. We're going to take a quick break. So all of our listeners, do not leave us because we will be right back. And I, I feel like Chuck Woolery right now, so I'm going to say back in two and two. <laughs> This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is Uncommon Sense for Leaders, a forum for exploring leadership from the intellect, the heart, and the spirit. Whether you're a leader now or aspire to be a leader in the future, you owe it to yourself to learn about the big ideas that have shaped the careers of compelling communicators, masters of influence, and highly effective leaders. Uncommon Sense for Leaders. Tune in to hear thought-provoking ideas on every aspect of leadership. You can expect dynamic discussions with special guests, quick tips you can apply immediately for better results, and the tools you need to take you from where you are to where you want to be as a leader. Are you ready to crack the code for achieving unprecedented results? Then join the host for Uncommon Sense for Leaders, Catherine Carlisi, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the All Business Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are back and we are talking about how God will never waste any of our life experiences. And today joining us um, with that topic is Beth Wiseman, and she is a best-selling author, having sold more than 1.3 million books. Um, the majority of, of her writing has to do with the Amish community, and now she just stepped out and went crazy on us and um, is writing on, on something, uh, on a complete different topic here. And 
Beth, you were right in the middle before I rudely cut you off talking about your character, um, Mallory, as well as, as Lori. And so share with us a little bit more about how you, you met um, Lori and um, just kind of unpack that whole story. Okay, well, um, somehow, Beth, you went away. So we are going to keep talking about um, how God never wastes an experience, a life experience. And I was sharing earlier of how, you know, when people come up to you and um, they want to know exactly what took place, um, why are, do you feel called to go into this ministry? Or, you know, even um, Lisa and I will get asked, you know, did you always want to go into radio? And it's funny how um, there, there was a time there that uh, I know for me, I kept just praying and praying and praying, God, I want to do great big God-sized things. And lo and behold, God will put things in your path when you're out there um, serving. I, I, I can't say, you know, just when you're in the closet praying. I mean, prayer is amazing and does fabulous things. But I also um, believe that God wants us out there serving. And then he He ask us to join him on different paths. And um, we now have Beth back. So Beth, I just want to find out exactly how you met um, Mallory slash Lori. And tell us a little bit more about your story of what took place of how you joined God in, in writing this book. Okay, sure. I've, I've known Lori um, pretty much all of my life. I've, I've known her for a very long time. And um, I think that that once once you're on that path that God has intended for you, things come very easily. And the story, the story was there, um, but I had a hard time in the beginning because I couldn't seem to get Mallory, my character, on the plane for Pakistan. I just, I mean, I was just dragging it out and dragging it out and dragging it out. It was like I knew what was going to happen when she got on that plane. And so I had a lot of rewrites in the very beginning, but, you know, God has blessed me over and over and over. I just wanted to write one book that would possibly make a difference in one life. And there are times when I'm writing that it's just not me anymore. And I don't know how many other authors feel this way, but I go back and I read things, even the quote that you wrote, and I'm like, I mean, that you read out loud, and I was like, wow, you know, sometimes I just know that God is just, he's feeding me directly what he wants to be in the story. And my intent with the promise was I wanted to show, I didn't, I didn't want to slam any religion. I wanted to show that there are good and bad people in every religion. And I try, I wrote with several points of view so that the reader could See how these different characters reacted to the same situation and also how different things were. And it's, you know, it's worth mentioning that this book was supposed to have released months ago. It was the first time that I really had to get an extension and do some, a lot of rewrites to get it. That My editor had set the bar very, very high for this one. So I think the fact that the book is releasing now with everything that's going on in the world, I feel like that was that was God's plan from the very 
beginning. And I got to know my characters through those long, drug-out first couple of hundred pages that I had to go and delete, 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 and, and pretty much start over and eventually get her on that plane. So it was, it was, um, it was definitely a, a turning point for me and Lori, and I'm, I'm grateful that we had the opportunity to work together on it. But she's been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. Wow. Now, is Lori from Pakistan, or is she from the no, U.S.? No, she is from Texas. Okay. She okay. is from Texas, and similar to what – a little bit different than, than what happened with Mallory – Mallory goes there to try to fulfill her number one goal. She believes that that she's going to be able to save a life, and that opportunity slipped by her when she was very young, and so she's, she's more or less lured to Pakistan by this man under false pretenses. And in the real-life story with Lori, she, she met this man on the Internet, and, you know, there, there should be, like, warning signs all over that whole scenario, whether someone lives in Pakistan or, you know, three streets over. We don't know people that we meet on the Internet. And she went to visit this man two times and came back safely, happily. You know, the media hypes everything up over there. Everybody's wrong. And on and on and on. So those that loved her, we began to start thinking, wow. Are we so cynical? Are we just wrong? I mean, she's happy. So we still had reservations when she when she went over there for the last time, and we had actually established a code word, which was Amarillo. And um, I will never forget how I felt the day that I opened my email, and in the subject line was Amarillo. I mean, I, I still I can feel my, you know, my heart just sinking when I when I found that. And it was... You know, it was a rough couple of days after that. I had to ask her questions like, do you think he's, is he going to kill you? Do you feel your life is in danger? Yes, yes, yes. And then waiting for return phone calls from, you know, state departments and embassies and, and everything. And we did, we did get her home. So I just, if one woman hears this story mm-hmm. and is even considering going there. And I am not by any stretch of the imagination saying that, you know, this is a situation where, where you know, all Muslim men would, would treat a woman like this. But the cultures are very, very different. And, and they just, they really just don't jive in relationships where we as Christians support, you know, the marriage of one man and one woman. And obviously that's not the case, you know, in Islam. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that brings up, I love that movie with Sally Field, um, not without my daughter. Did my you- agent has mentioned that movie to me several times and I have not seen it. And there was another movie that someone had suggested I watch, and I think it was called Argo. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and, and even Lori had told me I needed to watch that movie because the scene at the airport, um, it is just, she said is just so real. And I've, I've, the scene in the book where Mallory actually is at the airport trying to get home did happen to my friend. And the emails that are in the book are almost word for word, my emails and her emails with the embassy and the consulate and the state department. When we were trying to get her home, we had both saved all of those. So there's even an acknowledgement in the book, you know, thanking those three agencies for, 
for what they did to help get her home. Mm. Well, it's hard to comprehend when we have our our first world issues over here, what really, truly takes place. I know um, I I was a trainer in the airline industry and I had to go to Indonesia and Saudi Arabia and um, wear the fully clothed, you know, I had the black um, cape and had to be covered when, when I was in Saudi. And there were so many times when it was just plain hot. And you would unzip it and pull the, you know, off of your head and not realizing just um, you are putting yourself in danger and just kind of poo-pooing it like, okay, seriously, you know, I'm American. I don't have to do this. And we forget exactly what you're saying, that it is um, it is a serious matter and not one. That's not the time to be joking around. <laughs> And, right and and unzipping things, you know, just because you feel hot. But um, I I, I want to go back to um, when it, this is a serious matter, as well as like you said, you meet someone on the internet, and I just think for our listeners out there, even if you're talking about a young gal, a teenager, um, there have been stories where. Um, through the internet, through Instagram, through Facebook, where there are men that um, are befriending these gals, and lo and behold, there was there was a situation where um, I had a friend who uh, her her niece. The next thing you know, she had met this guy, and he wanted to come pick her up and and take her. Um, you know, to the Middle East. And um, by that point, they think that they are in love. And it sounds like this is exactly what happened with Lori as well. Yeah, it is. It is what happened. Um, and, you know, I, I always people at different interviews will say, well, what advice can you give to someone that might be, you know, considering a move like this? What, what can you tell people? And, you know, it's what I want to say is Lori's not stupid, and neither was Mallory in the book. I wanted to show that educated, intelligent women can still see things through rose-colored glasses, especially if you believe yourself to be in love, which she did. But the one thing that I was able to to do, and I'm so thankful for, and I would advise anyone traveling to any foreign country is – that I had her passport number, and I had begged her to register with the consulate, and she had. So that was a huge, huge saving grace when we were trying to find her. And, and we talk about, you know, God's plan. And I had reached out to a woman named Noni Darwish. She's, a, she's the author of And They Call Me Infidel. She's from Egypt. And I had reached out to her because she knew about this kind of situation. And it was so weird because she had just been in Pennsylvania and picked up one of my Amish books and just finished it. So she she knew who I was as well. And she was the one who kind of handheld me through the real-life story as it unfolded. And I would come back to her and say, well, I think we're wrong. She's really happy, you know. He's not trying to get her money, this, that, and the other. And she stood firm. He will. He will not let her go until she's penniless. And I'm telling. Well, and then, um, and this, we, we mm -hmm. I'm going to have to interrupt you again. And once That's again, okay. We're talking about God never wasting an experience or trial in our life, good or bad, easy or painful. He is able to use everything in our lives to grow us and make us more like Him. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend it Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature, and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to our show. This day we are talking about how God uses every life experience. And most authors draw from life experience when writing a book. However, for best-selling author Beth Wiseman, the inspiration for The Promise, and by the way, this is coming out or did come out just last month by Thomas Nelson, um, came from encounters most readers could never imagine happening in their own lives. Inspired by actual events, Beth describes her latest release as the largest project she has undertaken since her fir- first book was published in 2008. Well, um, Beth, once once again, you're t- you mentioned that this is your largest project, and I think it's amazing when people actually write from their own life experiences. And uh, we were talking um, right before commercial how uh, one of the other your friends was giving you the heads up on what's going to take place. And we always want to, you know, look at others and see the best in them. In this situation, um, that didn't take place. So. What what happened after she was telling you no this this is not a good scene this is not a good scenario what did you do from there? Well, from what happened was, th- and this is not in Mallory's story. I felt like in the fictionalized version that Mal- Mallory had had a rough enough time, so I didn't have any kind of physical abuse. But the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, with Lori was that he hit her and she she even came home with a huge hematoma and he was he was incredibly cruel you know he knew that when she would threaten to leave go ahead you won't make it you you won't last out here for 
You know, you won't last a day. And he was right, and she knew that. She couldn't just walk out onto the streets. And when I was talking with with the State Department and the um, consulate in Pakistan, they kept saying, she has to come to us. You know, we are not allowed by Pakistan law to extract anyone from a residence. And I I kept telling them, she can't. It's not safe. And ultimately what happened is, He was on his way home. We had less than 24 hours to get her out of there. And she did have to walk, I think it was just a few blocks, at night to a car with black windows, four people she didn't know. She said she had never seen anyone pick up her luggage so fast, throw it in the car. They had to make it through several checkpoints. And then they dropped the men in the car off somewhere. And no men are allowed to know where these women are going. And she was taken to a British safe house. And she didn't tell me a lot of details about that, just that they they took her computer, her phone, any way to communicate for the protection of all the women there. There were young girls there that were trying to escape arranged marriages, abuse. Um, And as shocking as it is, honor killings still go on over there and are largely unreported. And for, for your listeners that don't know what that is, um, if you bring dishonor to your family, for example, if a boy, a young boy and girl, maybe 16, 17, if they're caught together alone, especially two or three times, much less kissing or anything like that, it is acceptable to murder those children. And there's not one thing that the family can do about it. So there's a section in the book that it is largely about that, and, you know, so many times people have said, in this day and age, really? And, and yes, it does still go on. So not only was I able to draw from Lori's own life experiences, but I was able to draw from her knowledge of what it was really like to live there. So when you mentioned um, that she she came home. Are you saying there were times when she actually was able to come back to the United States or going home um, with this guy? Now, did she marry him? Or was yes. she? Oh, okay. So her husband. Yes. And, and there, uh, is a, there is a part of the book that's, and, I, and it would almost be a spoiler to say anything about what she finds out about that situation when she gets there, because she is told that he's divorced. And divorce in Islam is very rare because a man can have multiple wives. So, um, and when we got her home, I, I, I wanted very much to say, I told you so. I told you so. Why would you do this? But she was so incredibly broken that I don't know of anyone, family, friends, anyone that did that. We all just worked really, really hard to get her, her back on her feet. Which, that right there says a lot about... Um many times when we want to, not just in this situation, but in other situations, when you want to tell people, I told you so, that we forget if they're not bleeding on the outside, just how broken they really are, um, that that's just a good tip to just just love them where they're at rather than, you know, trying to go, what were you thinking? Yeah, and you asked, I'm I'm sorry, I probably kind of got off (laughs) on a different topic, but you asked if if I was talking about her home. When she was wanting to come home, I'm talking about home in Texas. And what she realized was, you know, even though he would mock her and say, go ahead, leave, here's the key, you won't make it, she had no money. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she didn't have really any way to, to get um I was trying bef- to get her a plane ticket, which ended up that the embassy in Islamabad took care of all that. And but her but just it was so dangerous just her getting to this this car in the middle of the night in the dark. I mean anything could have happened. She could have been taken at any check station, you know, for, for one random little thing. And once she got to the British safe house, we all we all rested a little bit easier, you know, knowing that she was in a safe place and that we would be able to get her home, which meant home to Texas. And um I was just, you know, I had told everyone that this it was the worst possible scenario. I mean, I had gotten to the point where I just wanted her to be happy. And if that's if that was happiness, if that was the path she was meant to, to stay on, but always in the back of my mind, and I always had Noni Darwish, too, saying, no, it's not going to end well. It's not going to end well. And it didn't. But when I say that, it didn't end well. Lori is home, she's safe, she's okay, and now we have this book. So will this book jump off the shelves to a woman who has got her plane ticket and is ready to board and go to Pakistan? I hope so. Yeah. Did, uh, how long was Lori in Pakistan? The fir- I want to say the first time she was there three or four months, and the second time maybe a little longer, and the last time... I want to say it was close to a year, but one of the horrific details that came out um, while we were writing the book, and I and I cried about this for days because I didn't know, was she went through seven months where she was not allowed to leave the house. She was virtually kept as a prisoner, and this her husband would take who she thought to be the ex-wife and these children and basically lock her in, and they would leave and go do things together. And um, it, it was just I, the the thought of her, she, she went through a period where she was very, very sick, and he wouldn't take her to the doctor. No one would take her to the doctor. But to show, again, that I am not trying to stereotype all Muslims as bad people. There are plenty of bad Catholics and Baptists and Lutherans and out in the world too because the, ultimately the person that did help her get to the doctor was her husband's brother. And he's also the one that, you know, was instrumental in helping her to get out of the house. So there, there's, it was just important to me. I wanted to create a story that, and, I, and I've heard, I've read this a lot in the reviews, that's thought-provoking. I didn't want to bash any religion. I didn't want to stereotype. I wanted to say, here's the story. Here's various points of view. This is going to really make you think. And, and that was my overall intent, is for it to be entertaining, a warning, and thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what... Um... It's it's interesting because why would a guy from Pakistan, why is he even on the Internet trying to lure in someone from the United States? Did she ever, was she ever curious about that? Well, of course, I had pulled up enough documentation to, you know, what I felt substantiated my opinion on it. Look, they, they want a ticket to the U.S. They, they, want, um, they want your money. You know, she went over there with with not very much money at all, in our eyes. 
But over there, she was a very, very wealthy woman. I mean, the exchange is like some crazy amount, you know. So $5,000 is just really, really a lot of money. And um, so, yeah, she even despite all the warnings that you can find on the Internet, no, 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 he's different, he's different, it's not like that. And a warning to, to, to something that, that I kept noticing when this was unfolding is she was becoming further and further detached from her family and friends. I mean, she was, she just was, you know, this is my new family, I'm leaving, you know, I have new friends now, bye-bye. And it, I could see what was happening, and even when she got over there, when I sent her a present, she, um, she, her husband was, seems very upset. And another thing, too, Patty, that's worth mentioning is because of all this that happened, they, they had looked this man up and said, you know, he's not a terrorist. He doesn't have a record. He works at a bank. He's just a mean man. But his intent was always to, for her to sponsor him, to get him to the United States. Why? I don't know. You know, a better way of life for his family? Did he have some other intentions? I don't know. But in that effort, he will never get here because of what happened. Him and his entire family are blacklisted on our on our government sites. So he should have never hit her. <laughs> he should have never done all this because if that was his ultimate goal to get here, that's not going to happen. And you can probably hear a little bit of the bitterness in my tone as I talk about that. <laughs> Well, um, obviously, I think every female feels that way when you have someone that um, any, any type of domestic abuse. And I, before we go into our, our commercial break, I just want to set up for the next segment. I do want to talk about some of the warning signs um, and, yeah, what we can look for and how we can help those that maybe are in that situation. Um, like you said, if it can help that one person that might be listening to the show that knows someone or maybe it's happening um, to them to go, okay, this, this is not, this is not not going to have a happy ending as you would think. So um, we are going to go into take a quick break. And when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Beth Wiseman talking about how God will use every single one of our life experiences. Uh, So stay tuned. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. 
Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm Free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be, I'm Free, with Minister Diane Jones, Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back to the show and joining us today. um, We are talking with Beth Wiseman, and she wrote a fascinating book about a friend of hers that actually was lured by a man. Um, and somehow found herself in Pakistan married to this gentleman and was able to get out of Pakistan and get back to the United States. And Beth, you were just saying um, with uh, in, in this situation, we were just uh, wanting to share, how can you um, help others that might be in this situation? What are some of the warning signs that they can look for, watch for, um, just in that, for that potential abuse that could be taking place and getting themselves into a dangerous relationship? So what advice would you share? First of all, we, we don't know anyone that we meet on the internet. So to be able to validate any of what someone is telling you, first and foremost, if he says he works at a certain place, can you verify that somehow? Um, you know, any pertinent information that this person might be sharing, because it's so easy. I mean, I, I was terrified that, I mean, th- this man could have been sending her pictures that weren't you. I mean, he could have had a, you, we can be anyone we want to be on the internet on Facebook, on any of these other sites, and that's terrifying. And we've all read about children being lured into dangerous situations, and I think that the warning signs for me, and and I like to believe that I was doing everything I could to prevent her from going over there as I watched her sell her car, her house, quit her job of over 20 years. You know, I watched all of these things, and and I and all I got to a point, though, and this would be my, my biggest piece of advice. If I had pushed any harder than I had, she would have just cut me off. She was already getting very bitter, very defensive. The media paints a picture of something that's just not reality. They make it so much worse. So at one point, I had to back off a little bit because I didn't want her leaving without giving me phone numbers, addresses, her passport number, any other information that I could get from her. And and I was able to get all of that. So there does, I think there's a fine line between saying, you know what, 
I'm I'm just done with this. And I got to that point where I felt like I I had done everything I could. So the only thing left for me to do was was to get all of this information, you know, in an effort to to be there for her if she needed me, which which it turned out that she did. And another the other warning sign too, which I think I mentioned earlier is detachment very very detached it was like it was she she was very much under his control and even from far 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 away and then after two successful trips there her returning happy as she can be i really doubted myself and i thought wow beth you are a bad horrible person (laughs) you know she's happy with this man he's treating her well accept it she's in love she's happy so i tried to do that well, um, the fact that you were able to even do that, like having the code word <laughs> Amarillo to get all of her, um, passport numbers and to even think that much through, you just, it's curious what would happen had you not gone with that information and, and she was able to call you. Um, but yet he was always standing there listening to her part of the conversation, correct? Right. I could count on one hand the times that we actually talked on the phone, and I could tell when he walked in the room or anything, she would end the conversation. And, you know, one one thing that I'll tell you, and I think I've failed to even mention this in, in any interviews in the past, and she calls it her miracle because the – and I used it in the book. I did use it in The Promise when Mallory is trying to get home. The Internet service is so bad there that sometimes you can get on the Internet for just a moment or two. They have huge blackouts where the power goes off, you know, 20, 30 times a day. And so it was a real challenge for her to even email. You know, she would have to write something really short, hurry up and send. And I've shown Mallory doing this um, throughout her, her time in Pakistan in the book. And to this day, Lori will tell me tearfully if this was a miracle. When we were working with the embassy and we were working with the State Department and the consulate and we were totally dependent, you know, on emails, even more so than than phone calls, which were sketchy at best also, um, the Internet stayed on for her like 10 hours straight. It had never done that. During any of her visits, um, you know, it, it might stay on 10, 15 minutes. And when all of this happened, it, it, and she told me this when she got home, you know, the Internet stayed on. She goes, and that's nothing short of a miracle as she's sitting there waiting for these instructions to get her out of the country with this man on his way home. I mean, time was critical. And so she, she really did feel like that that was a miracle. Wow. Now, was Lori a believer? Yes, she was Christian, and as I've got Mallory doing in the book, she begins to really Christian her, to question her faith. And this is one of the things that that Lori of I, Lori and I, have had to agree to disagree on, um, and, and that is her faith. This is her faith walk. She's got to work through, you know, her her own. But she's she's got to get on her own path. She has to work through this. But she really, really began questioning, and she was reading the Koran, and she was basically educating herself about other religions, which just totally set her up for this man to come into her life as well. 
And um, and I and I have Mallory doing this. The biggest difference between Lori and Mallory was Lori was raised in a church family, and in the book, um, Mallory is not. Mallory was told, "You're a Christian. We're a Christian. That's it. You know, accept it." And and yet wasn't really ever you know going to church or or learning about Christ. So she she was on a quest to kind of educate herself. And Tate, her longtime boyfriend in the Promise, is you know born and raised Catholic, and so he's he's pretty pretty set in his Christianity, and he gets very angry with her. You know, why are you reading the Quran? Maybe you need to start with the Bible. You know, so there's some tension right off from there. And then, of course, ultimately, she does reach out to God in the story to get her home. And um, so there's, there are a lot of things in the book that, that are going to re- make readers kind of go, hmm, you know, and you've got to kind of think about some things. And it kind of makes you question your place in the world. And one of the things that, that I had focused on in the book, too, was what if, what if let's just take me. What if I had been born in Peshawar, Pakistan? I would most likely be practicing Islam. What if I was born to the Jewish family, you know, five miles down the road? I would be practicing Judaism most likely. So how much does our, where where we're born, our upbringing, you know, kind of set the path for what religious beliefs we're going to have? So it's just, I tried not to preach or push any of my opinions down anyone's throat. Just here it is. Think about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and when you have grown up in the church, um, even though you might start questioning your faith, um, it's interesting, you know, that, that Lori did move forward with someone that um, was not a, a Christian to actually think of spending your life with this man. Right, which required her, which required her to convert. Um, so that was a, a huge issue between us that we had to work through. And one of the things that we had to agree to disagree about, but that, and that was a biggie, but when Lori, you know, shared with me personally and not something that I would share with the world, but when she told me some of her reasons just for questioning and and why she wanted to educate herself about various religions it's like i said i didn't have to agree with her but i did understand her motivations better and she was the one who told me when i was very very bitter about this i was mad angry i mean i just and she said you have to forgive him or else he wins he wins so you have to forgive him because I am. And, you know, no matter what religion you're practicing, those are strong words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, we only have about four minutes um, before we um, have to end the show. And uh, Beth, just just tell us, um, once again, you know, we were just talking about how God never wasted an experience or trial in our, our lives. You know, good or bad, easy or painful. He's able to use everything in our lives. And obviously you have taken this book and this has been your life story as well. Just being the friend, you know, with, with Lori and having to, to be able to unpack this and share this. Um, 
once again, where do you see the hope that this book will, um, it, it would, it would be awesome for it to be a bestseller, but you also want to make sure that it really is changing a life. So tell us, where do you see this book going and where do you see the hope in this book? I'm going to hope and pray that I get an email from a letter, uh, an email, a letter or something from a woman that says, I was getting ready to do exactly what Lori and Mallory did, and I read your book, and I canceled my plane ticket. If it saves one person, then it's it's a huge success. And there was, in one of my earlier books, um, one of my Texas contemporaries, Need You Now, I wrote about people who cut themselves, self-mutilation. And I got a lot of emails about that, uh, and I got some even some pictures from people and people that that kind of educated me about it in my effort to educate others. So I hope and I pray that this is a, this is a big request, but I hope and I pray that it saves a life. Mm, that it saves a life. Well, thank you so much, Beth, for being on our show today and just sharing your story and sharing your heart. And it's easy to allow painful circumstances to bring us to a place of bitterness. And I, I love that Lori was saying, you know, Beth, you have to forgive. Otherwise, he wins. And that is such a great um, tip for our listeners. And I will say for any of our listeners who might be in that place today of bitterness to Write down 10 things that you are thankful for. And as you review that list, just um, thank the Lord for his work in your life um, to even bring you to this area where you're able to recognize this pain and then to be able to turn that around and just give it back up to the Lord. I know I, I tell my kids all the time, wake up in the morning and just think of three things that you need to be grateful for and make sure that uh, we continuously let God know how grateful we are for those. So we want to thank you again for listening today to Girlfriend at Radio. You can find Beth Wiseman's book on Amazon and also on our website. Find out more information and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's 